Friends, tonight uh, we're going to be talking about how your heart believes what it hears your mouth say. And first, you know, let me say this, you know, I realize that I teach a lot about the Word of God and about how to implement it in your lives. And I talked to David, you know, I was talking to him about this the other day, and I said, if I could just, you know, I've been preaching for about 25 years now, and I've been preaching on various things, but mostly, you know, it all comes back to the spoken word of God, the written word of God. And I said, if I could just get one thing across to my listeners, you know, whether it's in the congregation, online, or on the radio, or YouTube, or whoever comes across, speak the word ministry. If I could just get one thing, uh, just get a revelation that everything that you want to be and need is right under your nose. It's right in your, it's in your mouth, and we are responsible for our lives. And God is only going to create what we speak. And we're getting exactly what we're speaking. And sometimes I feel like I could just shake somebody, you know, and just if I could just make you understand, then I would. I would just shake you, you know, because there's so many. Most of God's children are losing out and missing out on so much. And I just can't even express how much, even from my own life, from where I began to where I'm at today. And I still don't think I've even come close to what God has in store for me. That, that it, couldn't be, it wouldn't be possible without me coming into agreement with him. I have to agree with his word. If I don't agree with his word, then I'm going to get something I don't want. And sometimes we learn this the hard way. We blame everybody else, you know, for what's wrong with us. We blame the government. We blame our, blame our spouse or our family. But it's really it's us. We're responsible for what we're having in our lives. And I just hope that tonight that the word that I'm speaking to you, that you will just listen, and I pray that it will be a blessing to you. It was a blessing to me to write it. And, of course, I've been over it several times, and the more I go over it, the more I, I, I really uh, feel like that I, it really will be a blessing to you. And like I said, I wanted to talk to you about how your heart believes what it hears your mouth say. Your heart, we talked about the heart a few, uh, a few weeks or a month or so ago. We talked about the heart and how it hears. But we also need to know that your heart believes what it hears your mouth say. Your heart cannot do more than what you put in it. And we put it in there through our mouths. And how your words are the most powerful weapon that God has given to you. And that's what I just got through saying. It is the most powerful weapon that God has ever given us. And that's our mouths and the word of God. Your mouth is your heart's tool for implementing. In other words, your voice is the most influential voice in your life. I'll say that again. Your voice is the most influential voice in your life. Not your neighbor's voice. Not your friend's voice. One of Satan's greatest weapons against you is deception. But you need to know that you have a far greater weapon than the, than the devil does. And the devil uses his deception on us every day to keep us from using that weapon. Or at least using it in a way that is ineffective. He tricks us and deceives us into using that weapon actually against ourselves. You know, we're always poor-mouthing ourselves. We're always speaking like. He gets us, he puts these thoughts into our minds, and then we're always speaking like, and we're always speaking sickness, you know. We're always dwelling on the negative part. No matter how good it is, if 95% of what you had today was good, then you're going to focus on the 5% that wasn't. And it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way. But that's just what the enemy's doing. 
He's tricking you uh, using your words against yourself and in your health and in your finances and in your families. And mostly, like I said, he deceives you into using your own words to put yourself down, to beat up on yourself. He uses your need for religious things in the way that you pray and the way that you worship. In other words, he has you pray in prayers that will have no effect on your circumstances whatsoever. Why? Because you have not been praying God's word. God tells us in Isaiah 55:11 that his word will not return unto him void. So in order to get the right results when you pray, you must pray what the word says. Do you agree with that? You have to pray what God says, not just pray something because it sounds spiritual. A lot of people will pray prayers, and I've heard a lot of people pray prayers, and they really sounded very spiritual, but they had no power whatsoever. But they sounded good. And you don't want to sound good. You want, you want prayers that are packed with power behind them. And we have that ability, brothers and sisters. We have the ability to pray prayers that will bring down mountains and defeat the giants in our lives. I know we do. There are many types. Some of you, like I said, are praying prayers that sound spiritual, prayers that make you feel good or tickle your ears. And there are many types of prayers. And one powerful way to pray is to have someone come into agreement with you. You may be mighty in prayer alone, but you can be mightier with someone joining you. The Bible says that one will put a thousand to flight, meaning demons, and two will put 10,000 to flight. It tells us that in Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 32. You know, think about this. Some towns aren't even that large, you know. There's populations of towns, two and three and 4,000. Just think about that. You know, uh, let's think about what the Word of God, when He speaks something, you know, when He says in the, in, um, in the Bible, when He says a thousand may fall at this side and 10,000 at that side, He said, but nothing will come near me. You know, 10,000, you can wipe out a whole town and it not come near you. You know, think, think, of, um, think of Egypt and Moses and Pharaoh. You know, when Pharaoh was bringing all those plagues, uh, I mean, when uh, God was bringing all those plagues on, on Egypt and, and Pharaoh, and how none of those plagues, you know, happened to the Israelites, and they were next door. You know, so we have to trust that God is our protector. He's our deliverer. And we can be in a town of 10,000, and 10,000 might fall in, 1,000 over here, and 10,000 over here. But, but if you've got the faith of God, then none of that can touch you. None of it can touch you. But you have to believe that it won't touch you. You can't just say it, but you have to believe it. Have faith in what God's Word says. Sometimes we read over the Word, we just kind of glance at it. But you have to understand that there's power in the Word of God, and every word written there is for our sakes. In other words, you can do 10 times as much with someone agreeing with you as you can by yourself. That's a lot. That's a big percentage. As a matter of fact, that's a really good thought for you to meditate on tonight. You do not have to have a great number of people for the prayer of agreement to work. A lot of people feel like the more people you have praying for you, the better it is. But that's not true. That's a lie from the devil. You don't need that many people. Actually, you can pray for yourself if you're, spirit, um, if you're born again and spirit-filled. Or you can have another spirit-filled person pray with you and come into agreement. You don't need a whole army. As a matter of fact, the more people that you let know, you don't know who you're letting know this. 
that actually it's more dangerous because you're letting the devil know everything. You're giving him a whole road, just a whole list of everything. Now he's got something to work with. The prayer of agreement requires that two of you on earth agree and according to God's word in Matthew 18, 19. In the God word translation, it says, I can guarantee again that if two of you agree on anything here on earth, my Father in heaven will accept it. In other words, he's saying God will accept your prayer request. The reason Jesus said, I guarantee again, is because he was referring to another verse that he was guaranteeing. He said in verse 18, he said, I can guarantee this truth that whatever you imprison, God will imprison, and whatever you set free, God will set free. In other words, in the King James translation, it reads this way. It said, whatever you bind on earth, God will bind in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth, God will loose on earth. We need to be binding some things. We, you know, we, we need to be rebuking some things, and we need to be binding some things. Saints, the prayer of agreement is not a way to manipulate God into doing things our way. It is not a loophole in God's word so that we are in control instead of him. So let's look at the true power of this uh, type of prayer. And make no mistake about it, agreeing together for God's purpose on the earth is very powerful. When two or more believers in Jesus Christ knit their hearts into agreement with each other and with God for answers, they have added just they have just now added a jumbo sized supernatural boost to their prayers. Think about that. But you have to be sincere. When you come into agreement, you really have to believe when you when you ask somebody to come into agreement with you, you really have to believe that you are coming into agreement with them. And just consider it done. Because that's what the word says. Let's consider it done. Think about the power and richness of a singing duet or versus a soloist or a trio uh, over a duet and maybe a whole choir over a quartet. You know, the reason for this height and power is explained in the verse of scripture following Matthew 18, 19 in verse 20, where it says that for, for where two or three have gathered together in my name, there I am in their midst. Praise God. Saints, the presence of Jesus is the important part. Yes. Always the important part. It's actually the critical detail that everything else hinges on is, is the presence of God. That's what produces the answers to prayers that we're looking for. That is if we have asked him for his input. We don't always ask him for his input. I mean, we just go ahead. For example, suppose you're sitting in your living room with a fellow Christian getting ready to pray about some matter that's very important to you. And Jesus walks into the room, and you can both see him with your natural eyes. Would you just ignore him and agree together with each other for the outcome that you want in that situation? I wouldn't. I would check with Jesus and find out what he thinks is the best outcome, and then I would pray in agreement with him. Amen. And I think you would too. You know, the Lord says, and you know, another way uh, in, in prayer is that you need to find out when you uh, have a situation occur in your life or you're going through a battle, whatever, you, whatever it is, you need to find out what God's will is for it. And once you find out what God's will is for it, then you can pray an effective prayer. And if you don't know how, the Holy Spirit will help you. Because the Bible says that if you don't know how, the Holy Spirit would join in. And he will help you to pray an effective prayer. 
but you have to ask him. He's not going to butt in, but if you ask him and invite him, he will help you pray an effective prayer. All you have to do is ask him and then just listen what he says. But there's a word for whatever you're going through tonight. There's a word for it. That's God's will. His word is his will. Praise the Lord. Jesus is always here to help us. He said right before he was received up into heaven, Mark 16, 20, in the New Living Bible, it says, the disciples went everywhere and preached, and the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. By what they said, he performed many miraculous signs. And all through the Bible, it says, they said, or you should say, you know, we're, we, we have to say. We, there's no getting around it. Of course, he's here in the room tonight. He shows up when we gather in his name. We've all gathered here tonight in the presence of the Lord. So he's in the midst of us in here tonight. That's the promise that he gave us in verse 20 where he says, For those for where two or three have gathered together in my name, there I am in their midst. Hallelujah. But since we can't see him with our natural eyes, we often just skip that part about finding out what he wants and go right into agreement for whatever we want without finding out what the will of God is in that situation. And then after we, after we go ahead with it, then we claim that this is going to come to pass based on uh, Matthew 18, 19. But, but it's not, not unless you find out God's will for it. You know, and sometimes we even shout or pray real loud. You know, we think that gives it a little extra whoomp. You know, the louder, you know, the louder, you know, God, you know, like God's deaf or something. You know, maybe, maybe I'm not preaching loud enough. You know, maybe I'm not praying loud enough, you know. <laughs> maybe it's kind of like Elijah <laughs> and all those false prophets that kept praying and calling on God, you know. They're God. They're God. Their God never did answer them, you know. And, and Elijah was mocking them and making fun of them. He said, well, maybe, maybe you need to speak a little louder. Maybe he's asleep. Maybe he went to the bathroom. But you know, our God is not asleep. <laughs> the Bible tells us our God never sleeps. He never sleeps. So we don't have to speak loud to give it another, mm. you know. He hears a whisper. As a matter of fact, God whispers. He doesn't speak to you really loud. He just talks very softly. He says a whisper, a whisper. Praise the Lord. And I, I look so forward to those whispers. I know yesterday morning when I was getting dressed, and I always keep a pad or try to in a pen wherever I'm at, even in the bathroom. <laughs> and I was getting dressed, and the Lord began, I was listening to something, the Lord began to speak to me through them. I'm writing this down. And then he's done, I'm going to write that down. He's helping me. He's giving me ideas. I, I've, been, I've prayed and asked God for some more ideas to help me in the ministry to reach more people. And I, I pray these prayers, and he don't always answer right then. He might answer at what you might think is the most inopportune time. I, my hair is wet, and I'm wet. But he's speaking. He's giving me my answers. He's giving me some answers. And I need to write them down. And I need to, you know, pursue them. Because they're coming from him. Do you hear what I'm saying? 
pray, listen, listen. He's not always going to speak right then and there, but he will answer you if you ask him in faith. He will answer you. It might be a week, it might be a couple of days, but he will answer you. And when the answer comes, you'll know it's for you. Don't, don't, don't push it off. Write it down. Write it down. Praise God. I don't care if you dated or not. I date mine. But <laughs> I want to know when the Lord spoke to me. And I want to know what he said. Saints, we need to seek God's heart on anything that we're praying for. That's my point. When Jesus was here on earth, he was the perfect role model for the right way to pray. He said, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He can only, he can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does in John 5, 14, uh, John 5, 19. Jesus consulted his father. That is almighty God. He only did what the father said to do. Being fully God himself, he could have skipped that part. But since he didn't, I don't think we should either. If Jesus Christ himself, the Son of God, didn't skip that part about asking, you know, doing what his father told him to do, I don't think we should either. We cannot, we cannot go wrong if we use his example and find God's direction before coming to agreement on a matter. We can't, we can't go wrong. Saints, once we have God's heart about our issue, there is another scripture promise that kicks in which seals our success in 1 John 5, 14, it says, This is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything, anything, according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked for. Hallelujah. The true power of the prayer agreement is that we are in agreement with God. That, that's where your power is. And prayer is a powerful force. As a matter of fact, it's far more powerful than all the bombs in the world. It's more powerful. You know, I believe the, the prayer of agreement is a, potential, uh, is a potential force unused by the church today. I believe there's a lot of things that's being unused by the church today that God has given us to make our lives easier and, and to get things done. The Bible says in Ephesians 6.18 that we should pray in the Spirit at all times with all kinds of prayer. This means there are different kinds of prayer. And the prayer of agreement is one of them that I'm talking about tonight. And like I said, don't discard this kind of prayer and passively let life roll over you. I say we should use the prayer of agreement often and use it well and most effectively. As a matter of fact, I prayed prayer of agreement today. You know, I think that you will agree with me on this. You know, now I'd like to talk to you a little bit about receiving from God and its possibilities. Okay? Saints, I know that sometimes we look at God's promises and we see them as impossibilities. And I know that sometimes we have trouble believing that we can actually, actually receive the things that God has for us. But just because it may seem impossible to you does not mean it's impossible for God. In the natural, it may look impossible. It may look like an impossibility to you. But to God, nothing is impossible. He says in Luke 18, 27, he said, What is impossible for man is possible for God. Praise God. In other words, your doctor, your lawyer, or your banker does not have all the answers. Are you hearing me? We're talking about God Almighty. We're talking about Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides. Jehovah Ra, 
the Lord our shepherd. As a matter of fact, I got a text this afternoon or this morning telling me that one of our biggest donors, they've already cut back on their giving and now they're going to cut back again to the point of almost nothing. And they, like I said, they were one of our biggest things. But my first thought is, as much as this person has blessed the ministry and how much we appreciate it and still appreciate it and will continue to pray for them, you know, even though they're, you know, and they're having a hard time. But they are not our source. They are not my source. God Almighty is my source. And he is my provider. And when he gives you an assignment, he will provide. He says in his word, when a soldier goes in to fight, he, he, isn't he the one that provides? He doesn't expect us to pay for it. If he gives you an assignment, if you're doing something that God has called you to do, then he will provide for you everything that you need to complete it. Now, if you're doing something that he didn't call you to do, he is not held responsible. So you just make sure that you're doing what God called you to do, and God will make sure that he provides for you. I have never gone lacking for anything, and I don't plan on it. It's kind of like the 1,000 over here and 10,000 over here, but it shall not come near me. Hallelujah. We're talking about Jehovah Nisus. The Lord is my banner, which was in Exodus 17. And El Shaddai, Lord God Almighty, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer. Brothers and sisters, this was not even going to be in my message tonight, but after praying and seeing the Lord in this message, the Lord has impressed upon me to share this story with you about Moses and Joshua. Even though I think most of you have heard these scriptures probably hundreds of times, I really pray that the Holy Spirit will move on you tonight and that you will get a better understanding. You know, because God really knows that we need encouragement. And I think this will encourage you in your battle, whatever that battle might be that you're going through tonight. In Exodus 17, this was after this great battle in the desert with the Amaleks that God revealed himself to Moses as Jehovah Nisus, the Lord is my banner, in verse 15. In Exodus 17, it says that Moses told Joshua to gather the men and he would go and stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in his hand. But when Moses grew weary from holding up the rod, Aaron and her, I don't know how, exactly how you pronounce that, but it's not her, it's H-U-R, her, put a stone under Moses and held his hands up for him until the battle was totally won. Hallelujah. Saints, as long as Moses had his hands up, they were winning the battle. But when they came down, they were losing the battle. They, they were losing the fight. That should tell us something about keeping your hands lifted high to praise in our Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. But as Moses lifted his hands and prayed, the Israelites prevailed in the battle, but when he left his hand down, the Amalekites prevailed. So Aaron and Hur set Moses on a, a rock and held up his hands until the battle was totally won. Praise God. At the end of the day, there was victory, saints. There was victory. And God told Moses to write down what had happened and read it in Joshua's hearing. As a matter of fact, in the Quest Study Bible, in verse 14, it says, The Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For he says, I will utterly put out the remembrance of the Amalekites from under the heavens. And the New Living Bible says, I will erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Hallelujah. You know, God was going to wipe out his enemy forever. 
You know, you don't mess around with God's elect. Not without, not without repercussion, uh, repercussions, praise God. And we are all his elect in here tonight, right? Amen. Let me see your hand if you're a God's elect. Uh, praise God, I knew they were all God's elect in here tonight. Hallelujah. God was thinking ahead. He was thinking ahead to the time when Moses would be gone and Joshua would be the one to take over the leadership of God's chosen people. Joshua would be the one to cross the Jordan River into Canaan, the promised land, and defeat Jericho because Moses was disobedient. He was not allowed to enter the promised land in Numbers 20. Remember, Moses hit the rock instead of speaking to the rock like God told him to do in Numbers 20. God told Moses to take the rod, gather the assembly together, and speak ye unto the rock, and it shall give forth its water. And verse 11 says that Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice, and the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts too. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, and, he, and God said, Because you believe me not to satisfy me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given you. But you know, even though Moses was disobedient, he didn't make the people suffer for it. He, he struck the rock after he was instructed to speak to the rock. But he let the water, as it said, the water came out abundantly. And the congregation drank and the beast also. So he didn't punish the animals and the people just because Moses, you know, disobeyed. Hallelujah. You know, saints, we probably think that was pretty harsh. And scholars have given many reasons, you know, why God did do this. The truth is... Right here in his word, God told him to speak to the rock, but he didn't. That's the truth. You can't give any other reason. You know, people take God's word and they kind of twist it and turn it sometimes to suit themselves. But the truth is right here in his word. He was disobedient, and that's why he couldn't go into the promised land. Like I said, the truth is right here in his word. God told him to speak, but he didn't. In the book of Exodus 17, God told Moses to strike the rock, but this time God told him to speak to the rock. He was disobedient, and Moses didn't speak to the rock. He struck it, and he had publicly displayed distrust, acting as though a mere word was not enough for God to provide the water. Like I said, the first time, he did tell him to strike it. The second time, he told him to speak to it. Praise God. Th that's a sermon in itself, folks. You know, God is his word, according to uh, John 1.1, 1, 1, and he tells us through the Bible to speak to our mountains. He tells us this in Mark 11.23. And I know all of you are familiar with that uh, verse. But yet we keep asking him to do it for us. You know, the first time they wanted water, like I said, God told Moses to take his rod, smack the rod. Moses did. But you know, after months of their complaining, in Numbers 10, maybe he was just fed up with the Israelites. And he just lost it. You know, he was human too. I understand that all they did was bellyache. They complained the whole time. They were complaining, complaining, and complaining. You know, they wanted to go back to Egypt, you know, where they can get the, the, the fruits and the vegetables, whatever, that they were having there. You know, anybody that's read that knows that they had nothing to go back to. They were slaves. You know, if you've accepted the Lord, there's nothing to go back to. There's only going forward, going forward. And it's much better going forward than going backwards. Praise God. It says in the Amplified Bible that Moses called them rebels. 
He said, you rebels, you. <laughs> he said, I'll show you. <laughs> How many of you have ever gotten lost your temper and got angry and it hurt you more than it did them? I have. And that's what happened with Moses. He got angry, lost his temper. It, he just didn't feel like he could take it anymore. <laughs> and he just said, I'll show them. But the one that really hurt was him. Because he, after all those years, after all that time, and all, all the miracles and everything that happened with Moses, he didn't get to finish the trip. You know, I don't want to do that. I want to finish this race. I know even tonight, an hour and a half or so before coming out, I got so sick I could hardly stand up. And I thought I was going to have to call Pastor Larry and have him come pre uh, preach for me and call Kevin and tell him not to come. And, and I thought, no, I got to go. And then I said, no, I don't have to go. I get to go. <laughs> I get to go. And I'm going, you know. And so I just pressed on. And uh, once I made that decision, you know, when you make a decision, things will change. You can, you know, the enemy can do things to you. But you make that decision. And I made the decision, I'm going. And I took the step. And went in there and they finished getting dressed. And all of a sudden, I was feeling better. Amen. Praise God. That's the truth. You know, you know it, it's, it's amazing that there's many times in my life that they've been going through something. And I make the decision that this is not going to happen or that's not going to happen. But, but I, I really did do it. And sometimes, you know, you're not sure. Did I do this in faith or did I not do this in faith? Because sometimes we're really not sure. But you feel like you did. But... I didn't think about it at the time, but now I know that when I, I made the decision to keep going, then God took care of it. Amen. You know, so here I am, praise God. You know, God is so good. He is so good. And he'll never let you down. He'll never leave you. And there's nothing that he will withhold from you. He says in his word that nothing will I withhold from those that love me. So if you love the Lord and you, you're running after him, He's just going to shower you with his blessings all the time. I know he does me, and I know so many people that I know that he showers with blessings all the time. Anyway, after the battle with the Amalekites, God told Moses to read what he wrote down after the battle, and Joshua was here, and I just said that. He told him to rehearse it. You know, saints, as I was saying earlier, God knew that Joshua would have plenty of battles ahead of him. And he wanted Joshua to remember back to this battle in Exodus 17 where Joshua had overwhelmed the army of Amalek in the battle and the victory that God had given them. You know, this is where Moses called God Jehovah Nisus. This is where he first called him uh, Jehovah Nisus, the Lord, his banner, because he understood the revelation. Moses understood that God himself is our banner. He is our victory. He is the one who wins our battles, brothers and sisters. As I said before, people are not your source. The government is not your source. Your job is not your source. God is your source. He can, he can take and he can give. But if you trust him, he is a giver. And he can give you even much better than what you've got right now. He can just keep piling it on. He told me one time that he was going to bless me, good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over, and showed me a sample of how I was going to do it. Like with my dad picking the beans, you know. I'd pick those beans, think that basket was full. My daddy would come along and he would shake it down and it'd be about half full. 
But you know, that's the way, you know, some, <laughs> he, that was true, it's a true story. <laughs> I just ran up, ran up, brought up on the farm and I picked a lot of green beans and cucumbers, but <laughs> you can't shake cucumbers down, but you can shake green beans down. And he shook it down till it was half full, and I've told this before, um, but he told me I could quit when I got it full, you know, but he would come and he'd shake it down and be half full, I'd keep working <laughs> till I filled it up. But God told me that it was going to be like that. Just when I thought I had, a, had it full, that he was going to shake it down, and he was going to pour some more in. Praise God. And he is. He, he's, 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 he's a person. God is of his word. He is his word. And he backs up his word. And when he told me this was like four or five years ago, sitting on my couch preparing a, a sermon for something, and he told me that he was going to breast me, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And that Bible says this, and he said that, and give me the sample to show me how he was going to do it. He said, just when I think that he can't bless me anymore, he's going to shake it down and give me some more. Praise God. So, you know, you just keep on moving. Keep on moving. <laughs> Hallelujah. Nothing too hard for our God, is there? No. God himself is our banner. He is our victory. He is the one who wins the battles, brothers and sisters. We cannot do anything, anything on our own. If Jesus didn't do anything on his own, then we can't do anything on our own either. And he's still fighting our battles. He's still giving us the victory over our enemies. In 2 Corinthians 2.14, it says, But thanks be to God, who is Christ, who in Christ always, I capitalize that, always, leads us into triumph as trophies of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. But thanks be to God who in Christ always, always leads us in triumph as trophies of Christ. Hallelujah. When Moses wrote the story down for Joshua, he was actually, he was also writing it down for our benefit so that we would remember uh, it too as we go into our battles and we're fighting our things you know, there is an interesting thing that God says when he tells Moses to write down the story. God says that he will utterly, like I said, blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. He said that in verse 14. That means that this enemy would not rise up again. He was defeated utterly in verse 16. The Amaleks in this story represents our enemy, Satan, who is active against God's people in all generations. Even though the literal Amalek at that time was completely defeated by Israel's army. Other Amaleks would rise up against Israel and right, and right on down to you and me and our own generations today. There's still people rising up against us. We can see that now. We can see it with the ways that things are happening to God's people. Just the other day, I saw where a street preacher was arrested for reading scripture in the park. They said he was, I saw them in a video actually arresting him and holding him down. They said he was causing a disturbance. And he was in the park reading scriptures. He wasn't even preaching. And not only that, I also read an article where three teenage boys, you may have read the same thing, I also read an article where three teenage boys, eighth graders, were sued by the school for not using a proper pronoun for a girl's name. They were sued for sexual harassment. The point is, is that, you know, uh, not pronouncing somebody's name correctly is not sexual harassment. 
it, it, sexual harassment is a criminal offense. And two teenage boys and eighth graders mispronouncing somebody's name because they changed it a few months earlier, this female, and they didn't say they or them, they sued them. But because the press got a hold of it and other people and everything started happening, finally, after a while, they, they considered it closed, you know, they closed the case, you know, the school did. But, you know, it, they didn't close it until the school was uh, threatened to be, uh, was threatened, you know, was threatened to be bombed and several other uh, buildings in the town. It was about uh, a little less than 4,000 population. And so they had to close the school year down and finish out the school year by video. I'm telling you, it's just the beginning. As the Bible says, it's just the beginning of the birth pains. That we haven't seen anything yet. And I know that we, we want things to get better. And I believe for God's people, they will get better. But the Bible continues to say that things are going to get worse. Doesn't it? So actually, we need to get busy and do as much as we can while we have the freedom to do it, while it's still day, the Bible says. As they say, you know, there's, the Bible talks about the wheat and the tare. And he told him to leave the tare alone, that he, you know, he couldn't come in and get the wheat because it might mess, you know, get the tares because it might mess up the wheat, referring to, to the people, of uh, us. But you have to realize that the tares are growing stronger but also the wheat is getting stronger too god did not execute the sentence immediately the final remnant of the amalekites was destroyed during the reign of hezekiah in first uh, in, in first chronicles my point is brothers and sisters when you gather under jehovah nisus as your banner and trust him the outcome of your battle will be the same as it was with moses and joshua at rephidim God is saying that there will always be war. He said, so don't be surprised by it. He said, you're always going to have a battle to fight. As a matter of fact, he said, there would be wars and rumors of wars. He says in Matthew 24, 6, he says, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. He said, for these things must happen, but the end is still not to come. And most of you have read all of Matthew. If you haven't, go in and read all of that chapter in Matthew. And it goes through so much more that I don't have time to teach on. But Jesus, but Jesus says to be of good courage. To be of good courage. He said, for I have overcome the world for you, according to John 16, 33. Saints, Jesus offers us peace. And his peace is greater than the temporary trials that we're now experiencing. What we need to remember is God is saying that he is always the winner. Always. Hallelujah. Are you hearing me? You know, we have to know that we are serving that same Jehovah and nothing is impossible for him. In Luke 137, it said, this is what the angel told Mary in Luke 138. And she said, be it unto me according to thy word. And then the angel left. That's what we need to do too, saints. Confess God's word and say it, be it done unto me according to thy word, Lord. Remember, God is his word. If God's word says you are the head and not the tail, then you have to stop acting like the tail. Are you hearing me? You have to act like the head. Remember, the head is in the front. It's on top. And the tail is in the rear. 
It's on the bottom. You don't want to be the tail. You want you don't want to be at the bottom of the at the heap. You want to be at the top. And God says, you know, that you are. He says, you are blessed coming in and blessed going out. He said, then you're blessed coming in. He says, if he says you're blessed coming in and blessed going out, then you're blessed coming in blessed going out. And that's your testimony. You might say, well, Pastor Joe, I don't feel like that's true. Well, some of you in here tonight may not feel like that. It's not true. You, you, but you can't base things on your feelings or your circumstances. I've talked about this before. The Bible tells us in Jeremiah that you can't trust your heart. He says, it's the most deceitful above all things. He says, it will lie to you. In other words, you can't trust your flesh. You can't trust your feelings. They will lie to you. My feelings were lying to me tonight. My flesh was lying to me tonight. He will do anything he can to stop you. But we got to be, I know that he's got more tricks up his sleeve than we do because he's had more practice. But we have the Holy Spirit. On our side, living the spirit of Jesus living on the inside of us, so we outnumber. We, we he has the power, but he doesn't have the authority. You hear me? We have both power and authority, but he does not have authority. He only has power, but we can we can outdo that. Believe it or not, we really we can. That situation of yours is just waiting to hear the word of the Lord. He's just waiting to hear the word of the Lord. It's like those dry bones in Ezekiel 37. God told Ezekiel to prophesy upon those dry bones and say unto them, O you dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. So Ezekiel said, I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and behold, a shaking. And the bones came together, bone to his bone. Hallelujah. I don't know what you've been told that you can't do. Or what you've been told that your body can't do, but it's a lie. Brothers and sisters, we're talking about Jehovah God Almighty, the God of impossibilities. Hallelujah. I don't know how many situations you're facing in here tonight that seems hopeless or is looking dead to you. But only you know what you're battling with. And you also know that in the heat of a battle, it's hard to see the victory at the end. It's really hard to see. David was talking to me. Tonight, uh, he just got through going through a battle a few weeks ago that had been going on for quite some time. And, and he said to me, he said, you're going through what I was going through. He said, it's easy for me to say that because see, he's, at the, he's had the victory and I haven't gotten there yet. You see what I'm saying? He said, it's easier. It's, it's hard to see the victory at the end is what he was saying. It's, you know, the victory is there, but sometimes it's just hard for us to see it. Praise the Lord. But if you will begin to put God in remembrance of his word, in Isaiah 43, 26, in the New King James, it says, God says, put him in remembrance and let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. He's saying, come on and let's plead this thing together. He said, let us see what you know about what I said. State your call so that you might be proved right. What can you confess? It's not your words, brothers and sisters, that make the dead things come to life. It's the word of God that makes the dead things come to life. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're filled with his Holy Spirit. And you have raising from the dead power 
living on the inside of you. Praise God. Can't, you can't have a bigger gift than that. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And I remind myself of that quite often. I say, Joe, you shouldn't have to put up with this. <laughs> you have the Spirit of God living in you. That same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living on the inside of you. You know, and the Holy Spirit's there, and Father God is there, the whole, whole Trinity. You know, and it says in Romans 8, 11 says, But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. Praise God. Think about that. I believe, based on God's word, that if you will begin to give voice to his word. I talked about that, I think, the last time or the time before. God says that Jesus is your high priest over your confession is what I'm saying. And so what he's saying here is uh, he creates what you say. He's the high priest over your confession. He's over it. And so he can't create something if you don't uh, come into agreement with him. He can't create that. But the enemy is also standing by, and he's going to create too. But it's always two sides, God's side and the enemy's side. And I know that all of us in here tonight are on God's side. Amen. Praise God. Or you wouldn't be coming out in all this pretty weather <laughs> to hear me speak. Praise God. Like I said before, I believe based on God's word that if you'll begin to give voice to his word and raise your hands in prayer the way Moses did and don't give up. And if you do get tired... Get others to help you. That, that's okay. We all need help from time to time. And this is a good place to practice the prayer of agreement. Remember what I said before. A thousand, you will put a thousand, one will put a thousand of flight, and two can put ten thousand of flight. Also, the word tells us in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 that two are better than one. Don't, don't forget that. Don't try to do things on your own. You need to know that God is faithful to his word. You have to begin speaking to your mountain or your sycamine tree, whichever it might be. You know, Jesus makes references to both. In Mark eleven twenty three, in the King James, he says mountain. But in Luke 17, 6, he says sycamine tree. So whatever it is, as I said before, I know that you have, you have probably read or heard these scriptures that I've been talking about a hundred times or more tonight. But I'm praying tonight, too, that the Holy Spirit will give you a deeper revelation. And in closing, it says in Mark eleven twenty three, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea. And he says, and it will happen. But you must really, I just made this in huge letters, but you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you received it, it will be again. I say to you, brothers and sisters tonight, your mountain needs to hear your voice. It needs to hear your voice. And you need to believe in your heart and not doubt. You know, we all have faith. God tells us we only need the size of a mustard seed, the faith the size of a mustard seed, he tells us. And we all have faith. But we also need to know that sometimes we can be in unbelief. And have faith at the same time. Unbelief can cancel out your faith. So you have to be careful that you don't. And, and also fear will cancel out your faith. 
And I'm not going to preach on fear tonight, but it's a good subject to preach on because, I mean, fear is like a, a magnet, you know. It's kind of like Job said, you know. He said what he feared the most came toward him. In some translations, it says what he worried about, what he fretted about came, came on him. So it was what he, I think he suffered for less than a year. You know, and people was talking about poor old Job. I'm like, poor old Job. Well, poor old Job was a billionaire before he had all of his problems. And then in less than a year, he got it all back, more than what he had to begin with. So it wouldn't be bad to be Job. I could put up with something for eight months or nine. <laughs> you know, but fear, you know, and all joking aside, you know, fear is like anything else. It acts like a magnet. And so when you get into fear, when the enemy can get you into fear over something, um, it, it's like a magnet. It draws whatever that thing is that you're fearing. It draws it to you. Same as if you're talking poverty. It draw, it's a magnet. It draws it to you. If you're speaking sickness, it draws it to you. So you want to speak the exact opposite and do your best not to get into fear. Just refuse to fear. And that's not easy. Nothing's easy. But it's all worthwhile, you know. Brother and sister, it's my honor, my privilege to preach God's word wherever and whenever I can because that's what I've been called to do. And, and so I give it my best shot. And that's all God is asking out of me. And, and that's all he's asking out any of you out here tonight. He's just asking that you do your, just do your best, you know, give it all you got, you know, and don't stay rooted in one place. But keep on moving forward, taking that step of faith. All he's, if you, once you take that first step of faith, then other things will fall into place. But don't be afraid to take step out in that step of faith regardless of what God's called you to do or what he's as, asking you to do now. Most of the time, like I've said before thousands of times, uh, most of the things he's told me to do I thought was impossible. But I did it anyway, you know. And whether you're afraid or not afraid, you just do it anyway, okay? So I'm going to pray, okay? Father God, I thank you tonight. I thank you for all those that came out tonight to hear this word. I thank you, Father, for giving me the strength to persevere. I thank you, Lord, that all we need to do is just step out in a step of faith and trust on, and stand on your word. You said, Father God, when we've done all we can do is just stand. So some of us in here tonight have done all they can do, Lord, and now they're standing. So, Father, I thank you for those that are standing tonight. I ask that you give them the strength and the courage to continue to persevere. I pray, Father God, that you will give them the strength and, and the grace to keep moving forward, Lord, and know that you're right beside of them, that you'll never leave them nor forsake them, Lord. So I ask that you give them the courage and the grace that they need to do that. And, Father, I pray for all of those that are going through battles tonight, that you will impress upon them to keep their hands lifted high in the air, keep their eyes on you, Lord, just keep giving you the praise and keep glorifying your name and just keep surrendering to you and know that they will come out with the victory, Lord, as long as they keep their hands and their eyes focused on you and not on the situation, Lord. Help them to realize, Father, that what's going on in their life in the natural is just a temporary thing that the enemy is trying to use to distract them. But the real victory, Father, is in having faith in you, Lord, and just keep, in, and just keep taking that step. So, Father, again, tonight I thank you for all of those that came and all those that are watching online. I pray a special blessing over each and every one of them. For it's in the name of Jesus we give you all the praise and all the glory. Amen.